Hello, I'm Demi. And I'm Melinda. And we're here to talk all things parent juggles, struggles and baby bubbles and everything in between. Also, if you have a spare min, which you probably don't, but if you do, we'd love a rating or a review. Oh my God, that rhymed. <laughs> that should be your new, that's your new thing. Like yeah. that's how you should say it. <laughs> um, we are back. We had two weeks off, school holidays. Just does not go as fast as like back in the day when you're actually at school. I know, right? With kids. And also we didn't really have two weeks off, let's be honest. No, it's like on. <laughs> I always say to like Leo's teacher, I'm like, she's like, enjoy your holidays. I'm like, well, it's, it's for you. It's yeah. not for me. Yeah, for sure. Um, so today's ep, we have one of my dear friends, Britt Selwood here. We've been friends for, I don't know, probably like eight or nine years now. Uh, her husband, Joel Selwood, played football at the Cats with my husband and she's a mother of one, 31-year-old. Her little son's named Joey. So cute. He's that cute. Born in Feb at the start of this year. So she's just like navigating through like new mum life. Mm-hmm. But also in today's chat, we mostly chatted about A, her job as a special needs teacher and how that got her through her really hard times while she was on a uh, infertility journey. And she had a very different view on sharing her struggles. It was a refreshing view and I think an honest mm. view as well. So honest. That's what I loved most about it. The way she chatted. Yeah, and, yeah really it was honest. A really good chat with Britt. Um, we learnt a lot. Yep. I think even you as a friend, you would have learned Definitely, yeah. the ins and outs of how she was really feeling. Yeah, because she didn't necessarily open up and that was by choice and that is so fine. But um, that was her way of dealing with it. And yeah, it was, it was really good. Really honest. That's how I would explain it. Yeah. Anyway, you guys will love it. We absolutely loved it. Girlfriend, welcome. Oh, thanks. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Have you done any mum podcasts? Mum podcasts? Well, no, I've only ever done one podcast before and it was a wedding podcast. Oh. So this is completely different. I don't like doing podcasts. Oh. I'm, not, I'm not a talker. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's fair. Um, you just got back from Europe. How was it? We did just get back from Europe. Oh, there's no words to describe it. It was it was incredible. We'll never get that time again, yeah. the three of us. Um, yeah, it was just such an incredible experience to be over there and um, enjoy some really good quality family time. Yeah. And what do you think the biggest difference was travelling with a baby? Because you and Joel have obviously done so much travel together. <laughs> Uh, we actually did not see a sunset or darkness. <laughs> <laughs> well, in Europe, that was the first thing we noticed. We got in and it's uh, 10 o'clock at night and it is still light outside. And then at four o'clock in the morning, the sun's up and you So yeah, it's very hard to see darkness when yep. you've got uh, – we had a three-month-old. So yep. Did you get kind of anxiety going over with him? I was pretty relaxed, I think, but the one thing I did have a little bit of anxiety around was he loves being home. Like I felt like he really knew that he was home and that might be crazy, but um, he was always pretty aware of where he was and um, I was like, oh no, we're taking him out of his house, he's home. And But the one thing you realise is they're so adaptable. They are just... Um, Especially yeah. that young. Yeah. 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 So he just, at home is us, so yep. he was... He adapted and he was just an absolute superstar. He was – it was the best time to take him, three mm. months. Um, I couldn't imagine doing it when we had solids or when he needed his more routine and more sleep hours. So, yeah, it was just it was amazing. And then how was his jet lag? <laughs> <laughs> he got jet lag Aww. the worst. <laughs> but I don't think I was allowed to get jet lag because I was up all the time with him so I didn't get a chance to really sleep so I 
Yeah. yeah. You were just on no time zone. You're on <laughs> yeah, the mum time I, zone, which is just 24-7. I was, I was. And it took a good oh, 10 days, but it was a bit of everything for him. So it wasn't yeah. just And he st- got lots of new things when he got back, like cot, solids. Yeah. You know, there was yeah, big there changes. Was, there was lots going on for yeah. him. So we had to be kind to him and yep. yeah, let him get into a bit of a groove before we, we did sleep train him. So Yeah, yeah. And that's made a difference. <laughs> yeah, he's a little angel now. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> so cute. I reckon every time I see a photo, I'm like, Demi, look how cute he is. <laughs> Britt and I had lunch the other week and she's like, um, when you sleep train, you like just have to stay at home. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, basically, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I know. And being down by one heads, so I'm like, oh, getting into Geelong, it's just yep. a real, it's a real mission because he's only got like two and a half, three hours of awake time and then you've got feed and solids in between there and I'm like hmm okay how am I going to do this yet I reckon it is hard sleep training but I think when you can see when you get the results game changer oh he he wakes once a night for a feed and that's it oh amazing you feeling like yourself a bit more yeah yeah (laughs) yeah I don't think I ever not really felt like myself though I think I was yeah I'm I'm pretty just steady yeah yeah throughout everything and um yeah so I've just Always felt this way. So. Yeah, yeah. You just got like a little sidekick now. Yeah, yeah, a little <laughs> mini. So talk. So as a public figure, like people assume that they already know so much about you. Tell us about Brit before Brit Selwood. <laughs> Brit before Brit Selwood. Um, I was just yeah. I I am still. I am a regular person. I uh, grew up in Bayside, Parkdale, and um, I had I have a great group of friends. We've all been friends since year seven eight um I've caught up with them on the weekend I still see all of them um I had a gap year once I graduated uh, finished high school I um went to Europe for five months um which was an incredible experience I backpacked did all that um came I cannot home. imagine you backpacking <laughs> <laughs> now <laughs> no, no 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 I've done that I've done that and I, it was the best experience yeah. but I wouldn't go back mm. uh, <laughs> And then, um, yeah, came home, uh, studied. I did Bachelor of Education. I didn't like uni, to be honest. Um, and I never really loved teaching, but I had a placement at a special needs school and I had an amazing mentor teacher. Her name was Nikki and I fell in love with working with special needs kids and I only had a two-week practice there and I realised that this is this is what I want to do. It's do you not, know what you loved about it? Uh, it was more just being there for the kids. Like they're, they're so vulnerable and they're so, they've got so many different needs and they've got so many different amazing attributes and I just felt like you could really bring them out in kids when you were working so closely with them. I had an amazing bond with this little autistic child. His name was Xander and I ended up actually making friends with the mum and I had him over a couple of times for some play dates once I finished my placement and um, I just loved being with him. He was he was quite challenging. He had a really nice bond with me. We just had a really nice bond and um, the mum recognised that and so she, yeah, she let me look that after him. That would have been so special for her as well as yeah. a mum to feel like, not that if other parents wouldn't feel like their kids are in safe hands, but as you said, they're quite vulnerable. Yeah. Like for her to see that bond and him 
to see him listen to you and yeah, work well with you. It was really nice. Um, my placement teacher realised that he responded really well to me. So I ended up kind of getting put one-on-one with him at times. And um, yeah, I really saw him flourish in the two weeks that I was there. And it was it was really the defining moment in my, it was my third year placement. Yep. And it was just the defining moment was that was like, I'm going to be a special needs teacher. I don't, I didn't love mainstream teaching and um yeah, so that's how I got to being a special needs teacher. You're working at Manning Cartel? Oh, yes, yes. I was working while you were at uni? Yes, yeah. while I was at uni. Yep. I worked. I loved working. And I, do you love did you love fashion back then as much I as did you now? Love yeah. fashion, yeah. I loved and I was in Manning Cartel and when they had the amazing prints and they were just um it was the it the it brand back then and um I, I was just such a worker. I am such a worker. I love being busy and I love being with other people yep. and um just kind of forgetting about everything that is going on at not home life or just but yeah I really enjoyed being around people and I actually had a secondary job as well I worked at a pub (laughs) (laughs) so I would sometimes work at Manning from nine till five and then I would start at the pub I really struggled to get there for a six o'clock start and then sometimes I would work till one o'clock at night oh my goodness were you saving for anything or you're just just happy to work no I'm a good spender (laughs) (laughs) I'm a good spender um I've always saved for travel I just love traveling I just really enjoyed work Mm. Were you still living at home then? Yes, I was still living at home, yeah. Because do I remember when – did you move down here – in with Joel but was still travelling to go to work at Manning? Yes. Is that what it, yeah, yeah. Yep. So you moved so down here first before you finished up there? Yeah, moved to Geelong pretty quickly after meeting Joel, maybe a year. And then um, I still travelled to Chadston every day. Oh, not every day, maybe five days a week yep. in between uni. So I would travel down for uni as well. And then I would work at Manning and just alternate between going home to mum and dad's or coming to Geelong. And Wow. Yeah, I didn't really have many friends in Geelong for the first year because I was I was never really here. I was so busy and, um, yeah, it was just – I was always at work. Mm. Did it make you nervous moving to a new town? Like and thinking I've got my stable, like, friendship group and now I've got to – Make new friends. I don't really think about things too much. Okay, well, I that's good. <laughs> I, I, I don't remember having that, that no. thought. It was – I didn't really put too much thought into, oh, how am I going to go here? It was you just – You probably just made it work. So when you moved to Geelong, is that when you started your job? No. So I was I was doing a lot of relief work. Okay. And I um, – and a lot of people would ask me on Instagram – how do you get so much time off being a teacher? And I actually was a relief teacher for five years, but I was at the one school. So I went to my school that I was at. They would just put me on ongoing contracts or they would put me in a classroom for a term or they would put me in a classroom for eight weeks or something. And um, But I still was never on a fixed contract. So I could take a day off if I needed one or I could say, hey, I'm going away for four weeks and they would, yeah, you're not contracted so mm. that's okay so and I still basically always work full-time but I was just never locked into a contract when did you go full-time because I remember actually talking about actually going full-time yeah and I, not having the flexibility of being like sorry yeah. it's off season we're going away well it was only 2022 so was it yeah that was my first full year contract so big thing for me because I'd I mean, it wasn't because I'd been at that school yeah. for six, five, six years. 
So I knew everything. I knew the school. I knew every single child in that school because I was working through all different year levels. But yeah, I decided oh, I'm, I'm ready for my own class for the whole year. Mm. I'm ready to do it. I applied and I got the job and I was in a year 11 and 12 class and it was the best year of my career. It was the best year mm. I've had teaching wise. I, I team taught with another lady. Um, I loved being in year 11 and 12. It was was all about um, getting them work ready, building up their skills to be able to leave school and maybe find employment or find um, programs for them to go into and just build up their confidence to be able to um, find their personal strengths. And As you've like gotten progressively more well-known in Geelong, was your school that you taught, you teach at still your little safe haven? It or was. Or did you find it was like harder, the more popular you kind of grew here? No, the kids at school, they obviously knew me as um, – Brit Selwood, Joel's my partner. They would ask me questions, but at the end of the day, they knew me as Brit. It was funny. Joel would do the occasional pop in to school, but they always still they loved they loved me for me, and um, they would ask me more questions than they would ask Joel. Or she had some funny stories. <laughs> so cute. <laughs> Probably not appropriate for a podcast, <laughs> but uh, I think every day, every day there was just something so. that was hilarious or something. <laughs> that you would just go oh my god if I could write a book yeah <laughs> I would have a book filled like the Harry Potter books mm. it was just and incredibly sad moments as well yeah. I worked at a school in a low socio area so we would get a lot of trauma backgrounds uh, a lot of intellectual disabilities and yeah it was just it's an incredibly rewarding job but there are so many lows and so many sad stories and even I opener. Yeah. It was an eye-opener, yeah, yeah, and I think it's made me who I am today. Yeah. Do you think as a mum now, teaching there, that it's a bit different because you're like, like I know now as a mum, I cry at like every ad on TV <laughs> if I, or if I see a sad child, I'm like, oh my God. Like, has it, do you think that's even made you even more like, <gasps> like hurts your heart more? Uh, well, I haven't been back no, since I've so I wonder. been a mum. No, I am planning to get back to just visit, um, so I wonder how I'll go. So online you seem to be more of a private person in that what you're sharing is more just like really little glimpses. Was that specifically like by choice or do you think that's just part of your personality? Because you don't owe it to anyone but I just mean like is that something that you actively decided or is that something that you that's just you? I think it's probably a bit of both. I think growing up I was obviously just your everyday um, person and I went to uni and um, but I do think I am a private person and I think, yeah, being in the public eye, I just, we never made a decision to be private. It was just, it's probably my personality really. Do you ever think about not putting things out there as a, in, in worries that what's going to come back? Uh, like if something's like a bit of a, I don't know, a political, a political thing, you don't want to put it out there and then like have people come at you or I, I don't even know what another uh, example is. Definitely. Like we've had a few things happen like that and, um, they have come back to part us. I don't think think about that I just choose not to share yeah like it's yep. just I I do really value privacy and mm. I do really value that um yeah the people around me know who I am and I'm really I'm really content with that I don't think anyone who looks at me on social media needs to really know who I am because I am I'm so content and I'm so happy with the person I am and um I don't feel the need to share to everyone mm. if, if or you, prove anything yeah or, anything. or prove yeah. anything and um I do think out there online at the moment there are a lot of 
of people that compare themselves to people and there's so much information online like I just don't want to be another one to flood that market like it's just uh, I think there's so many there's mental health on the rise there's so many people who are insecure and it's just because there is so much out there yeah. there are so many different stories out there and I just think that we're kind of getting over consumed by things and I don't need to share mine and it is personality and it is by choice yeah. so there's a bit of both do you yeah. like it like do you like being in the public eye or not oh it to be honest it it doesn't really phase you me. no <laughs> hang on let me guess I haven't put too much thought into <laughs> no I <laughs> It, it isn't that annoying though? Doesn't like isn't that annoying when everyone's like Joel, Joel, Joel? <laughs> Being in Geelong, where it's it's an amazing community. I grew up in Melbourne, and I think I never really understood what a community means. And coming here, we love we love Geelong. We love, and especially being down in Barwon Heads, we love the Barwon Heads community. Everyone knows who we are, but that's not by Joel being Joel. That is because we have you live there. Yeah, we live there and we've involved ourselves in the community as well as Geelong. I worked at a school, so I had a lot of connections through school and mm. so no I don't find it annoying I find it it is it is a it is a privilege like mm. I am very lucky and we've had so many amazing things happen to us because we live in Geelong and we live in Barwon Heads. Do you ever feel used by people like do you ever get the sense that people want to be your friend because you're in uh, in the public eye or that people oh. kind of mold themselves a bit to suit you like does that ever oh, happen to you? No because I, I, I am quite private mm. and I am. I feel like she'd have a guard up anyway mm. <laughs> until she She's ready to let it down. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. I don't let it down too much. I probably don't even let it down to Joel much. Either. It's not that I don't let it down. It's just that I am a very independent person yeah. and I I have just always, yeah, I've always done things my way and it's, I wouldn't have thought, oh, this person's trying to get close to me. It's just if I liked them, I liked them. If I, yeah, if. If you don't click, you don't click. No, if I don't click, I yeah. don't click and it's just. It's what it is, Yeah. Um, so we want to talk about your infertility and that journey. Yep. Um, I know it's quite triggering. Obviously, Joel's book is out now. Have you had people read it and give you feedback? Like, was it scary putting your IVF journey out there because you hadn't really spoken about it publicly, let alone with, well, I, d- I mean, I knew, but I didn't know. That. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Was no. it scary putting it out there? It wasn't too scary. I think uh, Joel came to me and said, what do you, what are your thoughts on sharing IVF? And I thought about it and I'd never shared it before. I never really wanted to because, again, I do think that there is so much information out there. And I knew when I was going through um, IVF, I did not like listening to other people's stories. I did not like talking to people about it. It was the way I dealt with it. It yeah, was because I think that some other people are really different, where they just want to, they want to know they're not alone. Whereas you were yes. just like, I'm just gonna. Well, because I felt that talking to people, everyone's story is so different. Everyone's um, struggles are so different. It's like I'm not a doctor, but medically, there's so many reasons. There's a, a million reasons out there why you're not falling pregnant. And I just felt like some people might get caught up on this little detail and it's like, hey, you need to listen to your doctor. Mm. You don't need to listen to my story because it's completely different. I think Joel came to me and asked me if we wanted to, if I wanted to share it. And I thought, oh, I don't know, I'll write it down. And I wrote, I wrote our journey down on a Word document and I think I got to about 25 pages. Wow. And that was just, that was no feelings. That was just facts of 
what had happened, the process, and I thought, and I read over it and I just went, holy hell, I cannot believe I did this. I cannot believe we did this and I cannot believe we got Joey. And so I thought there were so many instances where footy was entwined with IVF and no one would have known that. And I thought, well, it's Joel's story. We've got to tell it in its entirety. We've got to, we've got to tell it. I decided to put it in the book because I never really wanted to tell it on my end. It was just, as I said, I didn't want to be, I didn't want someone to come onto Instagram and go, oh, Brit's done this, but um, this is her story. I just felt like you needed to read it in its entirety because there were so many steps and there were so many things that happened and why we went down this path. And I think to have it written in a book, it told the story from start to end and I felt like if I went on podcasts and I said I did this and I did this, it kind of gets misconstrued. and Because they know. might not know well, what you did six months ago yes. to get, you, to, get to, yeah, here. to yeah, to get to that point. And I think that that's why we decided to share it in the book and why I've never really spoken about it. I don't think I've ever said stats or how many cycles or this or that online because it it was it was it was insane it was Mm. it was crazy but um to have it in the book I guess people can really see why we went down that path going back for when you wanted to start trying for a baby was it just that like okay let's just start trying yes yes it definitely was like as soon as we got married we decided oh I went off the pill and um yeah we just decided to try naturally and did you ever think too much into it back then we just like I'll just go off the pill do you know what I always had this gut feeling that it was going to be hard and I don't know why. That's interesting. And I just uh, – I had an auntie who went through infertility and I knew that years and years and years and she ended up never falling pregnant. And I don't know why. I don't know why. But I just had a feeling that this could be me. And – so it's crazy that it ended up being me. Um, so I never thought it was going to be easy. Um, and we kind of got thrown a few curveballs. I mean, everyone got co- – thrown the curveball of COVID Uh, we were up in the hub and we were obviously thinking oh it's not happening it's been seven months or so and we couldn't really get tested because we were in the AFL hub and I mean I couldn't go see a doctor I mean we had doctors in the hub but they were AFL doctors and (laughs) yeah you can't be like excuse me (laughs) can you just run some tests Um, which is crazy that happened and I remember speaking to our club doctor who I am friends with and he just said, look, when you get back to Melbourne, we'll get you guys tested. But for now... Um, Eat. <laughs> he did. <laughs> I've always No, been- I just... Britt loves her food. Like, don't get me wrong. She can eat. She went to McDonald's like we would. You don't like Maccas. Ooh. I try and force her to eat McDonald's. <laughs> anyway, and I was in the hub. I'm like, girlfriend, you are eating so much. Oh, <laughs> she yeah. was eating... So much. Like, yeah. I was like, whoa. No, no, that was the first thing he said. He goes, well, it, it's not by it's not by choice that I'm this way. I just am yeah. genetically thin and I eat so much. And he was just like, just keep just eating. Keep-, <laughs> keep eating. He's like, maybe, maybe your weight's causing yeah. it. I don't know. But the only thing I can tell you right now is just try and eat more. So I did. I eat more than Joel. Yeah. I eat. Yes, I would have uh, the biggest bowl of pasta and I would still be. Yeah. The other night I was just saying we had, oh, I can't even remember what we had. We must have had steak and veg and I was like, I am absolutely starving. Like, they did not touch the side. So yeah, I think I had sorry, two, go back to the hub, sorry. Two pieces of toast. <laughs> <laughs> I'm starving. I'm so hungry. In 
the hub. Yeah, so we came back and got tested and I think it was literally New Year's Eve we got the results that uh, that Joel's sperm, his sperm count was low. So, um, yeah, we went and spoke to our obstetrician who was my gynecologist and he said, you can keep trying, it might take one year might take six months, it might take a month, it might take five years. I don't have the answer. I don't know. But if you want to speed it up, you've got IVF. It was a year already that we'd kind of, yeah, not not wasted, but most IVF clinics make you wait a year. We were like, yep, let's let's do IVF. So we went down that path. and So it wasn't much of a shock factor for you then because your auntie had gone through it. You sort of felt like, okay, I was right. Yeah, like that was right. I did. Yeah, it wasn't a shock factor. I did, I did think about it and I just felt it's not easy. I mean, in school you're taught use protection, you can get pregnant. And, but I think I went into it very well aware that there are struggles and, yeah, I just always had this feeling that it was going to be me. Did you ever think – I wish I had started earlier. No. Yeah, okay. No, That's I, nice. I, I wouldn't change it. Yeah. I wouldn't change it, so. I mean, you prob- it could have taken just as long, you just don't know. Yeah, and yeah. I guess we probably wouldn't have gone down the path of IVF that quickly and, yeah, yeah, it is. No, I don't regret that. So you mentioned before that you didn't like discussing it with other people and hearing other people's stories or really discussing it with too many people. What was your kind of coping mechanism or do you feel like you really struggled as much as someone else in the same position? Like, do you feel like you had a good headspace? I think I had a good headspace. I am pretty flat, baseline um, emotions, like I don't I don't give too much away I'm not I'm not super excited I'm not super low I'm just constant and uh, my coping mechanism was school I Mm. loved being at school and I loved my outlet of going to work and being with the kids and being a good role model for them being being their constant in their life their home lives might not have been great or they're struggling at school with their disability and you just you want to be there constant and you want to be there for them and I think I just put all my energy into that and yeah do you think that the school being there gave you perspective like a really uh, good perspective definitely I think yeah. school's always given me good perspective I um yeah I've just seen so many things in my job and yeah I'm incredibly grateful for the position I'm in and I'm incredibly I was incredibly grateful to be their teacher and yeah nurture them and nurture their lives and bring them up to be who they are Mm. today. When did you start opening up to friends and family like did you get to a point where you're like or or were people just asking because they were like kind of new? I don't know many people asked I think it was I think people probably assumed and I would open up to uh, people if I wanted to it was I didn't want people to know where I was up to in my the IVF clock because you are you're thinking about it a lot Mm. so I just felt like when I wanted to be with people and my friends I didn't want them asking me questions because it was a time where I didn't have to think about IVF and it was it, it was also really um it was really selfish because I didn't want people to ask me how I was going because I was obviously not going well. And I just think that everything, if I wanted to speak about IVF, it had to be on my terms. Mm-hmm. I, I would come to someone and go, oh, look, it, it hasn't worked or I've, this is my eighth cycle and I'm still not pregnant. I had to do that in my own time. It wasn't, I didn't want someone to ask me about it. If I was okay on the day and I wanted to speak about it, I did. If I wasn't in the right head frame to talk about it, it was, don't talk to me about it. Mm. I don't want to, I don't want to go down here. I'm too, I'm too emotional or I'm too upset or I'm broken. I don't want to speak about it. And I, I didn't have the guts to say that to someone. It was like, I don't want to say I'm, I'm devastated. I'm heartbroken. It was because I just didn't, I was, oh, I think I was just in 
the groove of IVF and I was just so determined and I was just I was like one of those like dog with a bone like I just kept going for it kept going and going and going back and I think that that's why I was able to because I didn't let my emotions really get to me too much like don't get me wrong I had really bad nights or really bad days but I kind of had to push that aside because it was like that's not going to help me thinking about the past and dwelling on what didn't happen or what could have happened or the devastation of a miscarriage it was just keep going keep going because one day you will get a baby and it'll all make sense yeah and you had that belief the whole time Um, like were there times where you were like is this ever gonna happen to me oh there were definitely times yes no there were I think I think Joel was a great support then um because he's always so positive and I'm probably the more uh, (laughs) negative like um pessimistic one that would just be like why like it's not happening and think about all the negatives but he was like it will happen one day so it was nice to have him but then I think we because we had so many um, so many downs that he he stopped saying that and I was like well we might not get here but I think we just had to keep going yeah we had to keep going and we were incredibly lucky and, I mean, we're, we're in a very fortunate position where we could afford to do what we did and that's why I think it was important to put it in the book as well. Like We did IVF for 18 months and that we did 11 cycles So, and the cost that comes with that is astronomical. Yeah. And we're very, very, very lucky that we could, could. do that yeah. and, and mentally that I could do that because, yeah, I just – both things aligned and we just kept doing it. Can you pinpoint like a day where you were just so down or a particular cycle that was really hard and why? Um, uh, yes, it was um, – so our journey started off quite positive. I mean, it was my third cycle – it was my first embryo transfer. I had had so many complications. I had so many. Had to have so, a few procedures that weren't that we didn't think I was going to need, and a few things went wrong. But it was my third cycle, first embryo transfer. So it was the first time an embryo had been implanted, and it worked. It was like wow, that was easy. Like it was the first embryo transfer. We we were pregnant, um, and then. I miscarried and then this next two transfers they worked as well so it was like but after knowing the IVF system I had two biochemical pregnancies so I was told I was pregnant but my levels weren't quite there so I had to get retested so and once I got retested like my HCG levels they weren't high enough so it was it was going to miscarry that might have been eight months in to IVF and we had three pregnancies so it was like this, oh my God, like mm. how's, how's this happened? We had so much positivity and we had so much good news. Like it was, everything was always, it's going to work. Um, and then after that, it was, I think, because that was when Joel was in Perth for the, gosh, my years, 2021 final series. We'd found out oh, it was, if they were going to win against... I think it was a uh, was it a prelim it was a prelim if they were going to win the prelim they would have a week off before the grand final and that meant that I was going to find out our pregnancy results while Joel was in the hub by myself and and we made that choice going into it that I would have a transfer while Joel was away because we'd wasted so much time I was mentally pretty okay to deal with it but once it happened it was the realization of oh my god 
we're going to find out our third result while Joel's away. And I just, yeah, that was when I started to decline. And I think October, November, December were really, really, really low months. And I remember being a shell of the person I was. Um, I remember Christmas time, I didn't want to celebrate Christmas. Wow. I'm getting, I, I didn't think Aww. I'd get emotional. <laughs> I remember New Year's. You're going to make me cry. I know. <laughs> Yeah, I remember New Year's and um, just not wanting to celebrate. And it was just, it was just Joel and I. And it was just, we were, we were our rocks and we just, we kind of pulled back from a lot of our friends because it hurt so much mm. to be around other people. It, it, I didn't like being around people friends who had kids. It was, it was so hard. Mm. Yeah. That would have made you and Joel one, you probably didn't even think I'm you'd not get an stronger. <laughs> You probably thought you couldn't even get stronger. No. But tell me how strong you got from this because, uh, like, you've told me, but tell us. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, <laughs> tell me and how. Joel told Mitch on a plane too, actually. I think we mm-hmm. – yeah, I think we just – I don't have the words for it, but we were just rock solid. It was just it was just him and I and we, we knew when each other needed time or we knew – we knew when to support each other, but we just we just let each other be who they who they were, and I let him focus on work, or I, he let me focus on work. I'd go to I'd go to work after having transfers, and he'd be like, "Stay home," and I'd be like, "No, I'm going to work," and he'd he'd respect that. And I think I don't even know the words to articulate mm. what made us so strong together, but we just yeah, we were this incredible team, and I think. We still are like we've we've carried on that into parenthood, and we are just this rock. And yeah, we we needed to be that. Mm. And we we are that for Joey, and we just we're just so respectful of each other, and we just we want each other to exceed in life, and we just yeah, we're just a rock. Yeah, that's like really, that's really you should be really proud of that because some people going through IVF go the other way, and yeah. it you know can tear some people apart because of everything that you go through. So you guys should be really proud of that. Like that's incredible. Yeah, we, we are, I guess, I, I guess putting it that way, we've never really thought of it. Yeah. And um, yeah, we just, we wouldn't have got through it without each other. Yeah. So. Yeah, I think as well, you don't know someone, it's, it's it's all well and good to know someone at their best times and love them for their best, but when you do see each other at their worst as yeah. well, yeah. and then you go through that together and you come out stronger, like. Yeah, yeah. it was, it was. I'm not a marriage counsellor. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, good words. And did you know with the miscarriages, do you get told why you've miscarried? Oh, the first one, yes, um, because I had to have a DNC, so they tested. Um, and, yeah, it was just an incredibly rare, inc- like it was a, a very rare um, chromosome abnormality. So my IVF doctor was like, I don't see this often. It's very rare. So we had so many positive things. Like it was like, well, this doesn't happen. There was so much positive news and I always had a high egg count. I Mm. always had – like it was just that we just had really bad luck and I I put it down to bad luck. It was just – Yeah, I always remember you saying when you did your egg count, your retrievals, and they grade them and stuff. Like you always had such great eggs, a a high amount, good quality. Yeah, I always responded extremely well to medication. It was – everything was always in our favour. Everything was amazing on paper. We just – had horrible results we just it was just incredibly unlucky 
but then you meet Joey yeah. and you're kind of like, it's not unlucky. It's yeah. so no. lucky because I've met Joey. I know. Yeah, so it's just I part know. of your story. Yeah, it yeah. is. It is just part of our story. And I think I think it has made us a better parents. I think, I think um, I've had so many life experiences. I mean, I've travelled. I worked at a, I work in a school. I, we went to Africa with the Continon Foundation and we saw children over there. Um, we went to their, visited their houses, their schools, their villages. And I mean, so much life experience. And then to go through IVF, I just think that it has prepared me for motherhood and I, I feel incredibly grateful to be Joey's mum, but I think I, I f- it has made me a better mother. Yeah. So when you were pregnant with Joey and you found out you were pregnant, were you like, oh my God, this could miscarry again? Like, where were you? And then it kept going and it was a viable pregnancy. Like, yeah, I, I, I didn't really get too excited. I remember I, Joel did. Joel did and I was kind of yeah because this would have been the first pregnancy since the three miscarriages at the be- yep. kind of at the beginning yeah so we had about 10 months of let down IVF cycle so it was just this oh my god everything was working everything was going okay and then I mean it wasn't going okay we had three miscarriages but that was I guess they're, they're positives in a way because you do we did fall pregnant so yeah we had this incredibly low period and so yeah when we did find out we were pregnant it was kind of like oh all right it's good it's good but we just need to keep getting to those milestones like the 12 weeks um and then at six weeks that Joel detailed, detailed it in his book I think it was probably around seven weeks we just had our seven week viability scan in melbourne um it had a heartbeat oh, isn't it, it the a- best sound in the world <laughs> it was, it was yeah. like the doctor when we went in he was like this is too early we're not going to find a heartbeat it's it's way too early to see this and uh, maybe that was at six weeks and we did see a heartbeat and he was like oh that's amazing but then a day later I did some exercise and I had a bleed. So we went to our obstetricians in Geelong and um, they couldn't find a heartbeat on their machine. And I'm just going, oh my God, this is, has this happened? And then we went down to Siles, which are great. Yeah, I go there. Yeah. yeah, they've got great technology and high def. I, I guess my obstetricians' machines just weren't as... At Siles, that's their bread and butter. Yeah, yeah. So um, went there and everything was fine. There was a heartbeat. So... Yeah, I think I just – What a like a – I know, I know. Yeah. Um, and that was before Joel played against a, a game against – it was like a really big clash. It was a Melbourne-Geelong. It was one of the end rounds and um, it was top of the table clash really. And, yeah, we were in hospital that day and Joel came home, went straight to the game after that, after dropping me home. And, yeah, I don't think I really – it really sunk in until about – 20 weeks 20 weeks I was like okay I think this is happening so what point did you start telling like friends and family oh not till 12 weeks we I think family were like 11 and then friends were 12 onwards so and I mean we had to say something I wouldn't have said something for a lot longer but we had Brownlow coming up and I think you were just going to notice that I was pregnant so I had to I had to announce I would not know if Brit said no to a drink I wouldn't think twice It's like me. Yeah. <laughs> I know. No, we I'm slide under the radar well. I'm not really feeling it tonight. I'd be like, sure. 
<laughs> Demi on the other hand, yeah. you'd be like, yeah, you'd are you okay? Like, are you well? You? Yeah, something's <laughs> wrong. Has it changed you? Uh, definitely, definitely. Um, I don't really know how. I mean, I, I never really let things bother me. I don't really dwell on things, but it, it has changed me. I'm just, I'm just so incredibly grateful, and I'm, I'm so grateful that we've got Joey. And I, I think going through what we did, I always used to online. I'd see people sharing photos and videos of their children, and I think not. There, the people show the negatives as well, but I don't even think being a mother, me personally, I don't have any negatives. I absolutely love being a mum mm. and I I can't say one negative thing about it and I think that that's probably because of my journey. Yeah. I just I am I'm so grateful and I love every minute of it. Yeah. Oh. So talk to us about Joey first being in your arms. Did you get that instant? Oh my god, I love you so much. Like how did yeah. that feel for you? I w- I was in shock. I was I was had a not the nicest birth and I think when we finally got him in our arms it was just oh my god I, I couldn't really I didn't really have much emotion because I was just in complete utter shock yeah. that he was on me and we, we had him it um it was just like until the moment he was born it was just like it, I, I can't believe you've given me that so much so much grief like I can't <laughs> believe this whole journey and to the last minute we it was just it, it it wasn't nice. <laughs> it wasn't a nice experience. So to have him, it was just like, oh my God, he's, yeah. he's here. And you didn't know it was a boy. No. Well, initially, were you just like, oh my God, my baby's on me? Like into, oh my God, it's a boy? Or were it you like- It too surreal. It yeah. was. Too it was surreal. too surreal. Yeah. It, was, it was just so surreal. I just can't even really remember. Yeah. It was yeah. just, it was shock. It was yeah. just utter shock. Yeah. I think like the hospital stay like after what you go through when you have that minute and you're kind of feeling a little, you've probably had a shower <laughs> and you know you're just sitting there with the baby you're like oh my god you're mine yeah yeah you're, you're here yeah. you know yeah you do you definitely do I think you, it takes a while to sink in mm. like you've got you, you look at your baby and you're like oh my goodness yeah he's, he's gorgeous he's everything yeah yeah he is he's everything did you have a name for a boy and a girl like it was either going to be one or the other. Yeah. Like no, like, oh, it could be this or it could be that. No. No, you were one done. One or the other. Yeah. Decisive. Other. Very decisive. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think we always knew it was Joey. Yeah. And then the girl's name. Don't, don't say it. Don't say it. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> I won't. Um, but yeah, we had girl's name, so it was either one or the other. Yeah. We had Joey. <gasps> yeah. And prior to going through your own infertility struggles, did you have as much compassion for someone going through it? Like, did you understand, like, realistically the toll Mm. on someone? No, no, no. I don't think you can ever understand Mm. the toll on people. um, And and people experience it so differently and people – People do. I mean, I, I remember speaking to my nurse who helped me through um, the journey and she couldn't go back. She had one failed transfer and she couldn't go back. She took a year off. And so everyone just deals with it so differently. And, um, yeah, it's such a big thing for people. And you just you just don't know what others are going through. You don't know how others are feeling, how others are coping. And everything that I've said, today like it's just it's how I dealt with it and Mm. it's it might be wrong in other people's minds I don't think there is a wrong or right I just think you've hit the nail on the head saying that's your experience yeah and what she's going through and he's going through they're completely different yeah so how they deal with it there's no wrong or right 
No, no. That's just never, you. Yeah. yeah. And it was it was just me. So yeah. I didn't like listening to other people's stories. I didn't like talking to other people about it. Then you do hear the opposite where people love reading stories or mm. love talking to people and I guess that that's their way and, mm. and that there's nothing wrong with that. It's just It's just how people deal with it. Yeah. We've spoken about this. But, like, you've found that people are so intrigued by your birth story and you're like, <laughs> what the hell? And it's completely fair enough you don't want to share. But do you just find it wild people want to know? I, I do. I do. I I just think I'll come back to it and say everyone's experiences are so different and I feel like I trust medical professionals. Like, it's like if if they say it's not working or this or that, like, you trust, you trust yeah. them. Like, I didn't go in with a birth plan. I didn't go in with – it was whatever is the safest mm, and get that baby in my hands yeah like I, I don't really I never really had a dream birth like it was like I think it was just what it is and I'm, I'm very facts I'm very mm. <laughs> I've noticed <laughs> yeah <laughs> it is what it is and I don't think too much about it it's it, it is the doctors make the best decisions for you and I, I don't I don't want to speak about my birth. It's mm. just You don't um, feel the need. No, I don't feel the need. And I feel like people maybe compare themselves to other birth experiences and I just feel like there's so much so much info out there and if you want to find it, you find it. But I'm not I don't feel the need to put mine out there. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. A lot of people, yeah, they usually just like get it tattooed on their forehead. They can't <laughs> wait to share their birth. I know, story. I know. It's like it's like breastfeeding or bottle feeding. It's like mm. Why does it matter? Yeah. Like it, it doesn't matter. Or like yeah. when you started solids or when, <gasps> you know what I mean? It could be four months, could be six months. Yeah. Who cares? It, it, it doesn't matter. Yeah. It, and that's the one thing I go back to like my life experiences, like working at a school, low socio-demographic, being in Africa, children live. Children, if they have a solid roof over their head, they have a great family, a loving family. If they're in a warm bed, they're going to survive. Mm. It, at the end of the day, they're going to survive. So I think, yeah, it doesn't matter. Yeah. That stuff doesn't matter. Yeah. You just need the basic needs met. Yeah. And that's, yeah, and that's yeah. it. Do you have dreams to have more children at some point? <laughs> obviously. Yes, obviously we do. Yeah. We do and we might be lucky or we might be not like, yeah. unlucky. We just, we don't know. Yeah. You've just spoken so much about how much you love work. Yeah. When, before you fell pregnant and even when you were pregnant, you'd be like, I'm so going back to work. Like, I love work. You've made it very clear, love work. Are you going back to work anytime soon? Um, probably not. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I think that was, that was me before being a mum. Totally. Um, I, I miss, I do, I have thought about it more recently. I obviously speak to a friend who I taught, team taught with last year and I sometimes ask her, how's this person going? How are they going? Um, and on Instagram, some of my kids write to me. I can't Aww. write back to the kids that are still in school, but the past, the people, kids who have graduated, I can speak to. So I do. Yeah. <laughs> I keep in contact with some of them. But I, I do miss it. I, I think about the kids. I'm obviously so invested in some of them. And um, I'll, I'll go back to visit. Yeah. I'm not sure if I'll, I'll definitely will not go back full time. Yeah. Right. Nah, enjoy yeah. being a mum. I am. Which you are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I am. Like, so enjoy every single second and moment of it because there's no rush. School's going to be there for it you. It will. Yeah. It will. Whenever you're ready. And that's what I've realised. I don't yeah. need to think too much about it. It's. It might happen. It might not. Yeah. Um, and I'll finish on. Your whole life, or yours and Joel's marriage relationship, like you've only known Joel, Geelong Cats Joel. Yeah. Obviously, you know Joel at home and whatnot, but yeah. he's worked at Geelong Cats for like his whole life. 
have you seen a different side of him this year not playing? Like has there been like a, I don't even know, a softer side? Like usually in September, Brick's <laughs> treading on eggshells. <laughs> I always no used to. No one is this year. He, he didn't like when I said this the other day. I said I used to hate September. Oh, he didn't just, know. No, I just used to be like, oh, God, oh, yeah. God. It was like what's going to happen this week? What's going to – how's it going to be? But um, oh, he is a completely different person. Mm. He – if he got to choose what he would – want to do he would want to be a stay-at-home dad and he just he doesn't he doesn't miss football yeah he doesn't he doesn't miss being busy he just he's he's so content too I think I think everything has aligned so much for us yeah we winning the grand final having Joey having a year off football like it's just everything's aligned and yeah we're having such an amazing time and I think that's so amazing it's like you guys deserved that after what you went through you know what I mean yeah. like as much as you don't wish that upon anyone, at the end of the day, you've had, you've got this time, and like from from the end of last year to now, even and still yeah. continuing, like unreal life. Yeah, it it has been. Yeah. So, I yeah, it wouldn't have been this way if Joe was playing. <laughs> Stars aligned. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks, Thanks for, for sharing. Me.